We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and Ira Pastor. And what we were talking about was zombies, right? Living cadavers. Cadavers that are declared dead, but because they remained on life support, I guess you have to prove that they can't breathe and do things on their own, right? That's part of the yeah. Definition. I mean, there's yeah. The the smart people in the neurointensivist world are pretty good at doing that today, um, in terms of the brain death definition as it is currently defined. So, what are you doing with these people then? Just just sort of briefly. The, the protocol is designed to mimic what we see in nature in terms of uh, the planarians, the amphibians, uh, the other organisms, metamorphic insects, whose brains can, in essence, be destroyed and grow back. Uh, so we study, and we've been, been studying, what's involved in that process, which is basically a recapitulation of brain development from when we were a, an embryo and a fetus. Uh, and how we can mimic that uh, with our existing tools, namely uh, peptides and proteins that guide morphogenesis uh, with regard to stem cells and new materials. And lastly, some of the uh, more device-related uh, tools that are used in the intensive care theater nowadays uh, for stimulating coma and PBS patients. So uh, we call it sort of a combinatorial protocol. There is, uh, this is not, as the pharmaceutical industry likes, you know, a single silver magic bullet. There's no little pill uh, that uh, you're going to get at your right aid that can do this. But we're basically studying the system, as we've said, the the non-reductionist perspective on what is going on in nature, how nature has created uh, via the forces that be from hundreds of millions of years, the ability to regrow a brain um, and its vasculature, its architecture, uh, and mimic that in humans with our tools. So that is the ultimate goal. Uh, of what wow. Okay. So, so that if you could make a new brain in these people, they, you believe they would live again, right? I believe if we uh, could just, you know, reconnect some of the neurons and vasculature in the brainstem, uh, we transition them from a state of death uh, back to a state of life, um, and then we work upwards. So it, it's not about, you know, a new brain instantly appearing, a la the zombie movies, but yeah. um, it, it's a slow progression up that chain of, in essence, how when you and I were in our mother's wombs, a brain formed in the first place. Isn't so that, that is what risk Okay, well, see, now let's look at that from the viewpoint of afterlife researchers. What we are told by the people we used to think were dead is that what the Bible calls a silver cord and what actually is visible when people are out of their bodies, which we are frequently out of their bodies, uh, we're connected to the body by this, you know, sort of glowing a faintly visible uh, cord, and which is infinitely stretchy. You can go to the end of the universe and the cord stays intact while your body is alive. But we're told that, that when we come to a naturally planned, uh, pre-planned exit point from this life, that that cord will break and that there's no way to reattach it. That's what they say. So what I find is interesting is, is maybe we'll be able to, to test that or to find out whether if there is a potential for this all to happen, maybe the the process will change and there will be the potential to reconnect or maybe part of the cord will stay there or something. I'm just fascinated by the fact that we're, we're both dancing along the same edge, you from the physical side and, and me from the, um, I won't even call it spiritual side, sort of from the mind side. And I think it's fascinating that, that uh, this is even something that you're doing. Are you devoting much money to this or have you gotten some grants? Yeah, this, this is all internal money right now um, from, from our existing investors. Um, you know, we are, 
as you mentioned, we're not uh, contemplating this right now in the United States just because intensive care costs here are upwards of fifteen thousand dollars a day. So that's oh. why we are, you know, in in discussion with with in other countries around the world where living cadaver research is also relevant. Um, but yeah, it's as I said, it's it's not our core project in the central nervous system. You know, we also focused on Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and spinal cord injury, uh, but it is something that we are not going to ignore because it is. Um, in our opinion, realistic. <laughs> um, now, is is uh, is there anything you want particularly want our listeners to know? I mean, these are people who are very interested in understanding reality in the broadest sense. Some of them are interested primarily in you know life after death, but many of the people I hear from just find understanding how it all fits together to be very important. Is there anything particular you'd like them to know? Well, you know, as I said before, um, we are very uh, appreciative of the uh, the grander architecture behind what uh, controls all of this. And um, as you know, we leave our bodies now, and we, uh, in the only recent years, when you see the um, the study of how the grander cosmic forces of this universe, whether they are solar cycles or lunar cycles or gravity or even time itself. And, you know, this look at this evolving area of chronobiology and how, you know, you and I are quite different at 11 o'clock in the morning than we are at five in the afternoon. Wow, that's um, right. We appreciate the grand scale. At the same time, we appreciate the, um, let's say the micro, uh, the yes. fact that the fact that we cannot, the fact that there are only, you know, what is it, to 10 to the 23rd powers of largeness in this universe, uh, oh, so, oh, so the, the physicists say, but we have 10 to the negative, I think it's 36 powers of smallness and inner space, which we've only <laughs> begun to explore. I mean, you can stick a whole universe within the microcosm. Um, I wow. believe that there is just so much that we can find. Uh, and whether it's in the large stuff, or whether it's in the small, uh, we are never going to deviate from the fact that it is an integrated process. Uh, we are never going to throw away the largeness and, and just look at the smallness. But there is so much space there, <laughs> whether it is outer, inner, or extra uh, dimensional, extra. that yes. we believe holds answers. And um, yeah, that's where, we, that's where our thinking is today. Um, so, so if you're Ira Pastor, you get to play for your entire life. I mean, I envy you. Your very few people do I envy, but I envy you your life because you really are playing still. And in playing, you're likely to. I mean, that's what the greatest scientists always have done. I mean, Einstein was playful, and and um, uh, just everyone that because. If you're not willing to play, you really can't have the insights, it seems to me, that will make things really happen. So I'm thrilled to know you. I'm anxious to keep watching your progress. How would people reach you, and what is your website? Uh, it's just the bioquark, B-I-O-Q-U-A-R-K dot com. Um, please come to the website. You can read all about what we have going on. Uh, we're a pretty open book. And uh, reach out. Uh, we love to talk about what we do. Um and um, are, are proud of it. Uh, we we, uh, we 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 see ourselves as you know. I'm saying we're pioneers, but uh, we are clearly proud of uh, the fact that we are willing to push the boundaries, and not just the boundaries of the science, but the boundaries in sort of the scientific discipline and how one once again, you know, takes off the blinders and is willing to bring the miraculous into the lab. <laughs> Bring the miraculous into the lab. You know, may we all feel the way you feel, which is that we stand awestruck before the miracles, because frankly, everything is a miracle. And we, we don't understand that. We really aren't doing science at all. Big hug, Ira. You and I will be talking again soon. I'll give you and a every big hug, too. <laughs> everyone, we've been talking with Ira Pastor, who is, I think, one of the most interesting people I've ever met. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so glad you could join us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really understand all the implications of that, it is going to change everything in your life for the better.
Next week, our guest will again be your host. We'll be following up on our conversation of last week when I told you the story of my life and why it was that I became obsessed with studying the afterlife and I ended up doing it for 50 years. Doing all that work has given me a really wonderful life. Not only did I find confirmation and details of a far more glorious, greater reality than I ever could have imagined when I started but now, when I really probably should be in a rocking chair, I am actually busier than I ever have been in my life. And I get to spend all day, every day, teaching and helping other people to leave their fears behind forever and to live in the joyful knowledge that human life really is, we can prove it, really is eternal. And now, amazingly, it turns out that I, even beyond all of that, what I think of as a perfect lifetime of work, even beyond all of that, there's an extraordinary new beginning for me that looks now to be even more glorious. And I'm going to talk about that next week. So please join me. This week, our guest has been Ira Pastor, who is the visionary CEO of BioQuark. BioQuark is a biotech company that is unafraid to follow the truth wherever it leads. Wow, is that different and unusual? If great discoveries are ever going to be made about human consciousness, about the persistence of the human mind, about how death can be reversed, or really about anything important to any of us that has the power to transform human life for the better, it's going to be open-minded researchers like my dear friend Ira Pastor who will make those discoveries. BioQuark is blazing a trail to the future. And of course, B-I-O-Q-U-A-R-K, Inc. Go there for more information. As you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and for young children, The Fun of Meeting Jesus. You can order my books through bookstores or on Amazon.com, and they're also available as audiobooks, except, of course, the children's book. If you want to talk about any of my books or if you want to talk about anything at all, you can contact me through RobertaGrimes.com. I answer emails. Just please be sure to give me you your, your correct email address so I can answer you. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality. Please always know that you are a powerful eternal being and you in particular are infinitely loved. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years' experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. 
Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and Ira Pastor. We were talking about... Um, the fact that there are people who are born essentially without what we think of as a brain, you know, the, the big meat part that's inside your head, there's just a little skin of it. You would think they could not be conscious, but they are. And my understanding is some of them are not that stupid either, right? They they can live pretty functional lives. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. So that's um, yeah, that's a, a big oops in terms of the yes. connectome-centric model. Um you know, where is that mind? Why it's not the brain's not there. Where, where is this consciousness coming from? So yeah, well, the the people who are doing um, sort of the cutting edge consciousness research from the viewpoint of working with people we used to think were dead have a couple of answers to that. One is that we the the meat brain is really vastly excessive beyond what uh, you would really need to uh, make all the necessary connections to consciousness, which of course is outside the the brain. And the other thing they would say is actually the connection. We tend to think of ourselves as, as being in our heads. You know, that's where the mind is. That's where everything is. And the reason we think that is that's where our senses are. You know, you have eyes in the front, you have ears on the side. So naturally you must be in there somewhere. But in point of fact, they tell us consciousness connects to the entire body. And when we leave, we leave with all of that consciousness. So it's way more complicated than, than really than we understand either, but it's certainly more com- complicated than scientists know. And, and you also um, talk about the fact that uh, um, the, these, the, there are people who know things, even children who are, for example, don't have a, any kind of, a, of, a, of, a, of an injury or something that would make them into savants, but they, are, they learn to play the piano music beautifully um, right from the time that they first take lessons. I mean, I've heard some of these children. I had grandchildren and grandchildren who took piano lessons, and some of these kids immediately pick it up. They must have learned it somewhere else. But how is that possible if your mind, uh, it just starts when you're first born? Yeah, it's, um, those cases are fascinating. I mean, obviously, uh, the stuff at uh, the Perceptual Studies uh, Division down at the University of Virginia is mind-blowing to say <laughs> to say yes. the least, no pun intended, but uh, yes. yeah, three-year-olds that know everything about World War One fighter pilots. Um, oh, that that's obviously a whole another phenomenon. That's yeah. right. That's, that's reincarnation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All of this they can't explain. What What did they say about those those children, the people who have uh, pre-birth memories? What What do the scientists say about them? I don't quite know. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I've heard things about, you know, genetic memory and, and cellular uh, memory and things of this nature, but it, it's beyond that. Uh, it's, it's obviously so much beyond that um, as an explanation um, because this is information. Uh, it, it, it's complex information um, and it's complex information separated spatially and temporarily by large distances. <laughs> so, um and no, and they just didn't, you know, no, they didn't pick up a book and read everything about some guy from World War One. <laughs> no, it didn't happen that way either. No. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, they, they, they really can't explain any of that. And so no. why are they holding to a false model? Do you can you, do you have insights on that? I, you know, just, you know, I'll speak just from sort of my own uh, experience in this particular industry, but. Um, yeah, because, you know, I've always, you know, I always grew up thinking that sort of 
uh, at least in, in the in the biotech space, it was always about sort of this stairway of sort of scientific enlightenment that every step uh, we learn something new and we yes. we, we, we took over that. But it's 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 so much different. It's this evolutionary tree where you know most branches die off and only a few and not the most you know obviously not the the, the truthful ones uh sometimes flourish and that could be because of things going out of vogue or non-patentability or financing or, or whatever uh, but yes. there's a lot of reasons why things get swept away and ignored um and a lot of it is on the other hand is just the um as the further most of us, and not, I, I'll step away from this myself, but the further most of us get away from sort of uh, the childish thinking, the uh, the enthusiasm for uh, the miraculous um, and other possibilities, we blind ourselves um, to much more. <laughs> and yes. I'm not willing to blind myself to, uh, as Einstein says, uh, you know, if I'm, if you know, I, I, I am willing to stand in awe of the miraculous still. What a beautiful uh, thing that is to say. I'm willing to stand in awe of the miraculous and then figure out how it happens, which is <laughs> the most important part. All right. So one of the things that you I, I know you've been doing is making some attempts to reanimate dead bodies. I mean, you had to go to other countries even. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this is... Um, a project of ours. It is. It, you know, it got. It was. It ge it was generated based on uh, a little carpet sweeping, actually, because even though we have defined uh, brain death, which is the primary definition of death in most countries around the world nowadays, as this irreversible dynamic, uh, as so defined in 1968 by the Harvard Ad Hoc Brain Death Criteria, um, if you go into the literature, you will find several dozen reported cases of spontaneous brain death reversal, primarily in young children. Yes. These cases are controversial. They're hotly debated. But they show that things are not always black and white with regard to what it means to be alive and what it means to be dead. And they are clearly swept under the rug. Combine that with the fact that, as we mentioned before, uh, there are many organisms, non-human organisms, that regenerate their whole brains in perfect structure and function. Uh, and... Lastly, the area of so-called living cadaver research has gone on legally, morally, ethically in many countries now for decades. So we got to thinking, all right, um, why can't we use this legitimate model of research uh, that is occurring for other reasons, you know, to test high-dose chemotherapies and all other sorts of things that would normally kill somebody, but use it for something a little more constructive, such as beginning to explore the regeneration of neurons and vasculature in the brainstem of someone who is recently deceased, uh, because that is the reason that we leave this world, <laughs> the, the fact yes. that we no longer have independent breathing and heartbeat. Um, so this is, as I said, this is a component of our neuroregeneration program. We are also very interested in, in all diseases of the central nervous system. But clearly, as there has been zero research dollars dedicated to the so-called severe disorders of consciousness in the last several decades, we felt that it was something really? that... Uh, yeah, now there's no no one researches coma and persistent vegetative state in any real context. Like, uh, really? You know, That's too bad. Cancer or Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. Um, so it is an area that we believe... Um, it deserves some attention because yes. we're not, and we do not claim that it, tomorrow death will be eliminated. But what we do believe is that if we can understand what it means to transition in that gray zone between deep coma and irreversible coma, um, we can make some major impact to what it means to be alive and dead at that point of acute damage and ways that we can potentially reverse it. Um, this is not going to end death by any means today. Uh, clearly, um, death caused by brain death as a sequelae of incurable chronic diseases, we still have a lot on our plate. But um, I'm, you know, I've, you know, I've clearly stated, and I will back it, that I believe we will probably solve death uh, or the, the first stages of death well before we, as an industry, cure cancer, just because death is in essence one thing you know there's one 
cascade that occurs at the end of all of our lives, uh, cancer can be thousands of things. So um, I, I think it's a very exciting project. It's early stage still. Uh, we haven't made tremendous amounts of progress yet just because of the intricacies in how one recruits a population. But we are slowly but surely moving uh, in these so directions. So some people will agree to be experimented on, or, or do you have to wait till uh, maybe they're declared brain dead? Or how, how do you get the chance to experiment with these people? Uh, right now, it, it, is, it is solely um, after the fact or you know, at the point of um, – at the point that we, we do not have a model like uh, you know the cryonics business where you know people sign up decades in advance when that is that's yeah. not what we're thinking about at this point. But basically, uh, you know, family a family may contact us and discuss. You know, they, they don't they're not interested in organ transplant. They uh, believe in the potential of biomedical science, and you know, many patients every year donate their bodies to uh, medical research. Uh, so right now we're just sort of tapping into that existing system um but it is not um no this is not we're not recruiting you know like if, if we did a, a Sign study up. Of, right no. right but but these people then that you're uh who these bodies that you're working with um are dead right they've been declared dead they there there's no heartbeat there's no breathing they're none of the 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 body is dead before you you start to work on it, right? Well, no, no, you the you just went past the living cadaver um, definition. So no, these okay. patients would be they living would be cadaver just, definition. Let's have that one. Okay. What is so, a living cadaver? Somebody who has been declared brain dead per the uh, you know uniform determination of death criteria, but who are still on cardiopulmonary support. So their hearts are beating, their lungs are breathing, uh, and they are trophically being supported, so nutrition, uh, certain hormones. Um, basically, and, and sorry, not to get morose, but you know, when one dies, um, everything below the brainstem, um, you know, with the appropriate attention is very alive. Um, a dead person can do many things. Uh, okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about what you can do with a living cadaver. This is going to freak everybody out. There are, really are zombies in the world. Roberta Grimes on Seek Reality with the wonderful Ira Pastor, and we will be right back. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. 
Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes and Ira Pastor, who is my favorite scientist of all, as I said. And now you see why. Um, we, can, we come at all of these issues from totally different directions. And he's trying to, be, to have all he works. He owns a biotech company. He's got to be very traditional. But um, but we, uh, we tend, to, tend to agree about everything. I think it's phenomenal. Now, one of the things I'd like to talk about that, that I know you're interested in is the mind-memories interface. Can you talk about that, Ira? Um, sure. I mean, we, um, you know, one, one of the main pillars of our um, business, our focus is the central nervous system. And we're very interested from a therapeutic perspective in central nervous system uh, regeneration and specifically how uh, all of those wonderful organisms in nature who can uh, lose their brains, literally uh, have them cut out and thrown away only to regenerate entirely, Good somehow, habits. somehow, uh, and this has been known for decades, although one of, you know, another, as you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of things, there's a lot more things uh, that have been you know, swept under the rug than uh -huh. we can count, but um, the, the fact that the regenerators, um, when they get their new brains, um, somehow know things that were only in the previous brain. Um, and, you know, this is one of those sort of the intrinsic capability of regenerative organisms following this complete central nervous destruction to remember stuff, um, which, you know, if you believe that we're just what's in the skull, um, you know, violates. <laughs> pretty Absolutely. And, Big time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, go ahead. And so I was just going to say, but but if in fact... Um, this energy-like potentiality is is really what is consciousness, and and you're dealing with conscious beings. Then it would make sense that the that those memories are not stored in the mind at, in the brain at all. They're stored in the mind, which is not located in the brain. It's sort of like it's the broadcast um, center, some distance away, and the the brain is just a receiver and transmitter. That would explain it, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're clearly in that camp uh, that um, believes that, look, if, if miraculously we were able to take out your brain or my brain and just, you know, store it and keep it alive in a tank of fluid somewhere uh, with some futuristic <laughs> technologies, uh, that's not Roberta Grimes anymore. That's not Ira Pastor anymore. Uh, and, uh, and that's that. Um not to mention, I mean, I mean, that's just one aspect. I mean, keep in mind, I mean, there's many organisms out there that you know, do not have brains, right? They, right. That's they're, right. they're very happy without them. And we, okay, for the first several weeks of our lives, we didn't have brains, but we did a lot of stuff, um, right. a, a really a lot of complex things. So, yeah, there's just, from a biologic perspective, yeah, there's just so much, uh, as they say, necessary but not sufficient stuff going on <laughs> that um it makes this just even a bigger question mark in, in many ways or it makes it as we approach the central nervous system and as we look uh for interesting methods for 
regeneration and ultimate reanimation of dead or dying brain tissue, uh, we have to keep in mind and we have to think about because that's how you will design at the end of the day the appropriate protocol that may work and not, you know, I won't keep hearing from you that I'm wrong. <laughs> but, well, I mean, I try to be polite about it, though. I try to say, gee, I don't think that'll work. This is why. But what I love is the fact that you are always looking at the edges of things. Very few scientists dare to do that. They have this cozy little career. But one of the things that you talk about, too, is that hundreds of thousands of brain cells die each day in the normal brain. And the the, the the basically the brain you have and as an adult is all different cells you you've said the general brain turnover um and so but we remember things from our earliest childhood and that's kind of that same problem transported to people how is it possible that we remember things my earliest memory was probably was probably three months old i remember it vividly so that being the case how do we hold on to that as well yeah, I mean, that's that's another one. Um, clearly, you know, we, we grow up for sort of the more traditional biologic uh, teaching is, you know, okay, yeah, our blood turns over, the epithelial line of our skin turns over, the epithelial line of our gut, uh, but the brain is the brain and the heart is the heart and these things just don't, we get them, they grow a little bit and we're stuck with them and it's just not the case. Um, no. And it's not just the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of neurons that die every day, but it's the biochemical milieu, which it within each neuron that cycles tens of thousands of times in a lifetime of that cell. So it's, yeah, I mean, we go through many brains technically in a lifetime and we go through an infinite array of neurons and... You know, you can go deeper and deeper in a reductionist context as they're doing, um, but you're not going to find, you can go that deeper and deeper, you're not going to find um, what you're looking for at that deep level. Uh, it, there's a bigger thing going on here. So explain reductionist, because people listening may not be familiar with that term as scientists use it. Or as, you, or as you use it talking about scientists, maybe yeah, that's better. Reductionism is sort of the basic... Uh, belief that um, you dig deeper and deeper uh, into the finer components of a system, um, whether they, you know, a hundred, you know, uh, 500 years ago, we studied organisms. Uh, then we learned about organs, uh, you know, a hundred years ago. Uh, then we learned about cells. Then we learned about DNA. And at each level, we kept going deeper and deeper, trying to find the answers, but we would throw away the systems teaching that came before. Uh, and so as an example, here we are, um, you know, this is one example of, of the big problem in my industry. Um, we've gotten down to the level of the genes, um, yet genes don't do anything, right? No, I mean, they're just right. carriers of information. They get their proteins, signal. right? That's all they well, do is code for proteins, really? Yeah, but by themselves, they can't even do that, right? They have to get a, you know, a, a biokinetic, topicokinetic signaling from everything above it. They, they get signals from cells. The cells take their messages from the organ uh, dynamics. So those take messages from the viscoelastic differences in the hydrodynamic fluids of the body. So there's a system here, and if we throw away what comes before, as we continually have done, we learn nothing. Yes, <laughs> we, I we, see we, that. We just get deeper and deeper into a hole. And this is, um, you know, a, a big problem. In some areas, we begin to see a reconnection. Um, for instance, um, electricity and magnetism, which were, you know, if you and I went in a time machine right now and we traveled back 100 years to a biology lab, that was what everyone was talking about back then because we didn't know about genes. We didn't know about subnuclear right. components. And we, we, we talked about fields and forces and waves and all these interesting sort of turn of the 20th century terms we find in physics. We threw them away. And, and now what are we finding out? Well, we're finding out finally in 2018 that, yes, there's bioelectric fields surrounding every one of our organs. There's biomagnetic resonance that's occurring between strands of DNA. And for anyone to think that in a 50 trillion cell being like you and me, with hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions in each cell occurring every day, that it's oh all, oops, you know, it, it's randomly <laughs> occurring, um, right. is the greatest reductionist, you know, fiasco of them all. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> 
Wow, what a great explanation. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, looking at it as a layperson, uh, we have to accept the fact that scientists, although they talk a good game, as, as you say, Ira, they sweep a lot of stuff under the rug, they really haven't made any material progress for a century. We've made technological progress, we've got computers now, but when it comes to, to basic research and basic discoveries, they're coming up empty. And that's a very good reason why. Um, this is much more complex than they've given it credit for. But one of the things I want to talk about is the, what you talk about is the brain-centric phenomena uh, model does not address things like terminal lucidity and all kinds of other little things that happen routinely that there's just no way to explain if consciousness is generated by the brain. Can you talk about that? We'll, we'll start now and then we'll go into the next segment with it. Sure. So the, uh, the connectome-centric model that is in essence says that you, I, everyone listening is just a few pounds of goo inside the skull. Um, if that's all you believe, and if it's comforting to people, you, it does not explain a range of quite well-documented phenomena in the literature. Uh, terminal lucidity, as you bring up in Alzheimer's patients, a, a well-documented condition uh, whereby Alzheimer's patients who are ravaged by the disease for decades, who do not know their wife's name, who forget right. who their children are, somehow, uh -huh. uh, at the moment of their death, become completely lucid and remember everything is unexplainable. You can't explain <laughs> it with the connectome-centric right. model. Um, gain in function events. So everyone's quite well familiar with induced savant syndrome, uh, Rain Man-type uh, situations where, you know, the, uh, the construction worker who dropped out of school in the eighth grade and gets hit on the head one day at work and can somehow play Mozart uh, the next, even though they never had any music training, yes. is not explained by a connectome-centric model. And, right. um, and lastly, um, you have many cases of so-called hydrocephalic children, <laughs> you know, children that are born without a cortex. Um, which is where it's, fi it's filled by fluid. That's why it's right. it's has that term right. But there's yeah. really no brain there. Very little, just a little yeah. skin of it. There's nothing there. There's a brainstem, of course. But uh, these children are conscious. <laughs> it's been shown by very smart people uh, studying many correlates of consciousness that they are conscious. And if okay, they we're, are, we're, well, we're where is have it? To, <laughs> yes, we're going to have to take a break. So think about that, and then when we come back, we'll talk about where it is. This is Roberta Grimes with Ira Pastor on Seek Reality. We'll be right back. One of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce, is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201 934-8986 or Skype at Elizabeth.Joyce and for more information you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. 
Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes. Author and attorney, Roberta Grimes, will explore and illustrate how she, after an extraordinary experience of light in childhood, has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes. Dear friends, welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm so glad you can be with us today. If you and I have been friends for a while, you may think of me as a science basher, and you would be right. The fact that the mainstream scientific gatekeepers, the university departments, and the peer-reviewed journals have for more than a century maintained materialism, it was what they used to call the fundamental scientific dogma. They're too embarrassed now to say those words has for more than a century kept us from really getting scientific investigation of the truth. They didn't want to look at the building evidence that human minds are eternal, and that's been stupid, but the, the most important artifact of that is the fact that essentially science has been off the rails for 100 years. They're going to have to repeat all that work once they accept reality. Um, they, especially in looking at things like out-of-body travel and near-death experiences, they've limited their inquiries to trying to find some reported aspect of the offered phenomenon, at, and they then would try to re- replicate it in the laboratory, and then the ways they would do it were, was, were often laughable, but laughable, but then they would they say, well, look, we have repeated that single phenomenon, which means that the whole area of inquiry, near-death experiences, out-of-body travel, has been debunked. What, what they would say is it simply isn't real. But this was this is basically a dishonest way to use science to try to beat back the truth. So at this point, I am not much of a fan of science or of scientists, but there are some open-minded people in the scientific field, and a few of them I really love. Our guest this week is my favorite non-scientist scientist. His name is Ira Pastor, and he is a fascinating man. He's the CEO of BioQuark Incorporated. hope I say that right, Ira. A company that works in the regenerative medicine side of the biotech industry. And for the last few years, he's been involved in the dynamics of central nervous system regeneration, studying both human and non-human species. And he's been doing a lot of other stuff. Ira's not a scientist in the traditional sense but he has the curiosity of a child, he has the vision of a keen research scientist, and he has the kind of open mind and heart that you really never see in anyone. This is a wonderful man. Welcome, Ira. I'm so glad you're finally with us. Hi, Roberta. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm so excited. After all these years of of talking, (laughs) communicating, that we're finally getting together like this. This is is exciting. (laughs) He, he first reached out, we figured out, four years ago to me, and I sent him some things, he sent me some things, and then he would tell me what he was experimenting with. I would tell him from the viewpoint of what I had learned why it wouldn't work, he would do it anyway. But he always, we've, we've had such a wonderful friendship just by email that it's finally delightful to be able to have a conversation. Ira, tell us 
how you first became interested in exploring like the edges of our scientific understanding of the mind. How did you start this? Um, well, it, you know, as you said, um, I'm a child at heart. I, I always have been. <laughs> um, and even though, you know, I can give you my, you know, the more traditional background that I was a, uh, a, a son of a, a pharmacist here in the Philadelphia area, and I grew up around medicines. I went to pharmacy school and business school and spent my time hanging around the pharmaceutical industry. Um, that's not really what did it. Uh, it was, you know, as I've said before on other uh, shows, I loved comic books. <laughs> I love science fiction. And it was just the type, you know, that I maintained a childish uh, enthusiasm for uh, creating or exploring the bleeding edges of possibility. And, you know, till this day, I have three children of my own. Um, and they, you know, they kind of look at me like a geek. Dad, why do you want to go to all these, <laughs> these superhero films? And why are you still reading comic books in your office? Uh, why, so. books? why does that not surprise me, Ira? It really doesn't. Yeah. I think that's great. So, 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 where, so how, where did BioQuark come from? Because you're its CEO. Did you found it or did you co-found it? I, I co-founded it. I was one of its early investors. And it was, um, you know, I, I, BioQuark's mission is all about going back to nature and exploring sort of the, the second level of biological dynamics that, um, you know, we've studied uh, for hundreds of years in terms of regeneration and repair and rejuvenation of whole organisms, uh, whether that, you know, limbs of newts or, you know, the ability to cut yes. a starfish in half and get two of them. Um, the, the first hundred years of the industry was heavily based on natural products, specifically from plant bacteria and fungal communities. But, you know, we sort of never went beyond that because just, you know, the overly reductionist way of studying things, you know, killing to killing to understand life and so forth uh, doesn't allow you to really, you know, talk in a sense to the salamander, to the newt, to the starfish uh, and understand, you know, what's going on when we chop this thing in half and you create two of them. Oh, uh, and so, so it was really uh, a mission of let's finally in the year 2018, although, you know, people were studying this stuff in 1618, um, really look at this again with a, you know, a 21st century toolkit um, about how we could reawaken or leverage some of this knowledge for you know, human health. Um, and then... That's where things got interesting because, as complex as it is, um, it's really it's really much more complex than we could ever imagine. So, <laughs> than we know, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so are you? Do you have a product or two? I mean, how do you maintain the company? Because I only I see you playing. Um, I really only see you playing. So I know you must be doing serious stuff too. Yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, obviously we're a biotech company at our, at heart. I mean, biotech is, you know, one of these industries where they say, if you're not raising money, you're not doing your job, especially as a CEO. So, you know, we have investors, the private investors that are more traditional biotech oriented folks. At the same time, we have some activity going on in the, uh, in sort of the non, uh, pharmaceutical area in terms of consumer healthcare and so forth. Those are the two sort of pillars of the traditional business, let's say. Uh, but yeah, hey, I mean, it's <laughs> it's all about playing at the end of the day. And yes. you, you have to accept the, you know, the fact that a lot of what you're doing in this business or in this field in general is playing because it's just, you know, I joke with people that ask me, you know, should I get involved in biotech? And so I say to myself, if you can deal with failure, um, if you deal with thousands of failures and still be happy and come to work every day and play in the lab and realize that, you know, things are not always going to go your way because biology is not about, you know, it's not like a, an app on your cell phone. <laughs> it's a little different. So, um, hey, if you can deal with failure and, and, and rejection and so forth uh, thousands of times in a row, sure. Hey, let's do this. And uh, so, yes, I play a lot. <laughs> we play a lot getting things right. We're trying. So when it Someone, I think it was in Edison's laboratory when he watched him try something that failed, said, oh, it failed. He, and I, um, Edison said, oh, no, I just found another thing that doesn't work. I'm that much closer to finding out what does. Right, right. So the, light just, bulb, uh, <laughs> right. the light bulb so, was an invention with a thousand steps, yes. <laughs> and, and so it seems to me that a, that a genuine scientist is really someone who, who plays on the edges of what's, of, of what's known so he can find 
the, the next frontier. And, and that's what I love watching you do. Now, let, let me ask you a big question. What is consciousness from your point of view? How would you define consciousness? Thanks. Thank you for giving me that. We're, 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 we're uh, starting with the easy questions, right? <laughs> no, I mean, and there's no right answer to this because I don't think anyone definitively knows. I think we're at a place where we're, we're, we're trying to better understand it. I have a definition, but it probably would not agree with yours, but it doesn't matter. We're all looking at a huge reality from all different angles and really little pieces of it. But do you have any working definition? Um, I mean, I have the the basic definitions. So, you know, I mean, you know, the obvious textbook stuff of, you know, a state of, uh, you know, awareness or being aware of uh, yourself or oneself um, from a, you know, a what is it in terms of a tangible thing. Um, we are... And I know you're going you know, to smack me down and say, no, you're not right. But that that's fine. I, I, I don't mind that at all. But, you know, I, we are still we sit here and um, our current thinking uh, sort of as we work in the central nervous system regeneration stuff um, is all about a uh, interesting electromagnetic um, field of information and possibilities that is existing in the present, in the past, in the future, in all aspects of space-time, um, which we tap into, uh, and um, which in many ways is still quite beyond um, our um, understanding to yes. <laughs> adequately <laughs> describe it, and it is still a, in quote, hard problem. So, yes. And, let's all the- go with it. I, I would go. I would say that the reason it's a hard problem is that scientists are looking at it from from the wrong direction. They're assuming it has to be generated by the brain when when our information suggests that it's the brain is just a receiver and transmitter of what um, consciousness actually is. And that explains, if that's true, it explains some of the things you've been wrestling with that we're going to talk about in the next segment. So my definition, and this is the best, I didn't make this up, but this is the best one I found, is that consciousness is an energy-like potentiality without size or form, alive in the sense that our minds are alive, highly emotional, and therefore probably self-aware. I don't know if that's any more true than what you just said, but you know, what... it's, uh, I, I would agree with everything you said, and we are completely um, in agreement with you, um, and we're going to touch on this in the, in the next segment, but uh, Roberta Grimes and Ira Pastor are, are not the stuff inside the skull. <laughs> and, and, and we can talk more about that if this is a break time, but yes, we, we are on the same page with you with regard to that definition. But we always seem to get to the same place, and that's what's. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? 
Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.